before we get into this week's episode, breaking news, everyone. Rick has announced that Walker Scabell will be playing Percy in the upcoming Percy Jackson Disney Plus TV show. If you want to know more about Walker, you can check out The Adam Project on Netflix, or you can head over to Rick's website and read all about the casting process and the announcement, how they broke the news to Walker and all that good stuff. We cannot wait to talk about the show in depth on our podcast. We're really looking forward to it. Everyone gets so excited. You can read that article in our show notes. Now for today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Seaweed Brain. This week, we're going to be talking about Leo. We're going to be talking about cheating death. We have two special guests. Stick around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are so excited to be here, joined by Fatal Flaw today. Molly and Maddie from Fatal Flaw Podcast. Give it up. Hey. Are there any updates on your life that you want to share since you have last been seen on the internet? Thoughts on the Heroes of Olympus, on the previous chapters of the Blood of Olympus? Anything you'd like to tell us? Oh my gosh. I have a lot of updates with my personal life. (laughs) Um, (laughs) not very many with Percy Jackson. (laughs) I just moved to Seattle. So, uh, if anyone that listens to this podcast lives in Seattle, hit me up because I love new friends. Her address is one four (laughs) seven. Guys, there is not one, there is not two, but there are four marijuana dispensaries within walking distance from my apartment in Seattle. Hey, Maddie, where's the closest grocery store? (laughs) Like a 15 minute drive away. (laughs) 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 I don't have, this is Molly. Hi. Um, I don't have any like life updates and I don't really have any thoughts on the books, but I would like to say that today when I was catching up on seaweed brain to prepare for this oh no i listened to the ola and jackson episode and i would like to tell them that i love oh hey. i actually thought you were gonna say something mean about our previous <laughs> episodes <laughs> why would i do that i'm an og seaweed brain fan that is oh true. i would never that's true but you also don't hesitate to let us know when you disagree with us which i appreciate so then you're going to be like, and Jackson true. said this one thing that I need to address <laughs> right now. Yeah, we love Ola and Jackson too. We're thinking about like fun things we can do, you know, on like a finale Heroes of Olympus celebration episode. We quiz people on the personal lives of all of our guests. <laughs> we do like a multiple choice. Do you know what Ola's job is? 
<laughs> I don't think oh that's that narcissistic, maybe. <laughs> but it wouldn't be about us. It would be about the gas. I think that would be fine. Bitch, I'm the guest. I'm that narcissistic. <laughs> Bitch, I'm the guest. <laughs> Let me decide. Oh my god. Also, I do want to say that you both specifically, or maybe it was just one of you, requested to be here for the chapter that Jason gets glasses, and that's today. So I'm expecting some quality analysis, some quippy responses. We have singled it out. We'll we'll pause. <laughs> it was super not me. <laughs> I guess it was Maddie. It was me. I did notice in the outline that you guys were like, who is the target audience for this section? I don't understand this. And I was like, it's me. I am the target audience for everything that's going on in this section. <laughs> <laughs> it's true maddie's a nurse in case anyone forgot from our song of achilles episode <laughs> let's get into this it's leo's pov so i'm gonna try not to be sassy about it <laughs> we last left off with jason and percy persuading a sea storm goddess kimapalea to side with them but this is after the ship got bashed to shambles by her violent sea storms so we have a lot of repairs to do Leo obviously has been fixing the ship non-stop. We just landed in Mykonos, and we are 48 hours until Gaia's reawakening. The stakes have never been higher. <laughs> and yet, and yet, they deserve a little break. And so they get some gelato, except for not Frank, because lactose intolerance, Frank gets an apple. He gets an apple. That was so disrespectful. He doesn't even get a little peanut butter. Or like sorbet. In my personal experience, <laughs> there's usually one or two sorbetto options in a gelato place. Leo makes a joke about how like they shouldn't be getting gelato in Greece because it's an Italian food and they just came from Italy. But like, again, I wouldn't know either. Good for Leo. <laughs> I liked that moment where they were all eating gelato, though. It was very nice. We know a lot of shit is about to go down. So that we just get to sit here and eat some gelato. Also, can I just point out, the Greek demigods have nectar and ambrosia and all this healing magic. And they also haven't discovered lactate. <laughs> which Good one. You can't just pop a little tablet and have some goddamn gelato. He chooses to suffer, I think. Someday I'm going to bring Will Solis to a CVS and he's going to lose his fucking mind. <laughs> okay. There's a note here about uh, the good place. Okay, so Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is to Erica and Carter <laughs> as the good place is to me. So I relate all my theses back to the good place. And there's a line about how Leo says knowing that the world was going to end in two days just made this gelato taste better. And that's like one of the main points of the good place is that the fact that there's a solid end to it makes life worth living and i like that little ethics lesson dropped in there mm. but really maybe you would only get it if you were um as obsessed with the good place as i am let's honor the good place i i think that the good to make place sure. is also the good place to carter and erica but it's so true <laughs> also very close i was gonna say oh there's gelato in the good place but it's frozen yogurt it's the opposite it's the frozen yogurt thing is about how it's bad right <laughs> yeah yeah gelato is better than most ice cream frozen yogurt <laughs> is not as good mike sure is fully like doing a press tour now for his like compendium book to the good place right mike sure if you're out there listening to us you should add us as a stop to your book tour come on free advertising <laughs> right here Mike sure on seaweed brain podcast to discuss the meaning of life i bet you all listeners did not know that he had a book out 
that's advertising. That's you know that that's I, that's a shout out. You should to pay him. us twenty four dollars for an ad spot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have a short reprieve. We, we gotta accelerate ourselves back up to an appropriate tempo after we basically took a uh, speed through five days of Leo repairing a ship so that we're on the same timeline as Nico and Reyna. Anyway, we're back to the mini quest. The mini quest is that they have gotten to the island of Delos, where Artemis and Apollo were born. There's a whole backstory to this. Hera was really mad that they were going to be born. So she went around and tried to convince all of the spirits to not allow their mother, Leto, to give birth anywhere on the earth. Delos was an exception. It was like a floating island at that time. So they're like, haha, loophole. This is not of the earth. This is not like some of the land that is forbidden from hosting you as you give birth. So she went there, gave birth, and now it's sacred to the twins, which is why they're there now. Anyway, the twins are like camped out there together because it's the one place that is like super sacred to them and not to anyone else. So only here can they escape the personality split, extreme disidentification conflict that they're experiencing everywhere else. So they're camped out and we need their advice. Apollo is critical to getting the physician's cure and Artemis is um, a cool person who we just want to talk to. Yes. Important information for us. But we don't get to talk to her enough. I'm so disappointed. We don't get to talk to her. Frank and Hazel get to talk to her. Right, because it's Frank, Hazel, and Leo who touch down at Delos as a little quest team. Fascinating. Leo picks that team. Why does he pick it? We'll find out. Not just because he wants to relive the love triangle drama of Mark of Athena that was my God. upon us. <laughs> trauma. Emotional trauma. I have a question. I didn't fully reread Blood of Olympus. I only read this section. Has the thing with the hunters happened yet? Yes. yes. Okay, so we're seeing Artemis completely disconnected from the rest of the world. Yeah. Not knowing what just happened to the hunters. Yeah, we don't know it. Just throwing that in there. She knows that Orion is after them because she mentions feeling really bad that she can't be there to fight with Mm -hmm. her girls. But she does not mention any specific events or specific hunters. So it seems very unlikely that she knows about the massacre that fairly recently happened. Yeah. Oh, so sad. How do we feel about that conversation? That whole scene where we get to hang out with Artemis and Apollo? I just wish it was more Artemis that we got to see. (laughs) Apollo's fine. Zeus is all mad at him because Zeus thinks that Apollo sped up the war with the giants by dubbing Rachel the new Oracle. Well, okay, yes. That's part of the reason. (laughs) Zeus also has, for once in his eternal non-life, a legitimate concern as well. Yes. Which is that Apollo, as it turns out was um, also granting some sort of like patronage to Octavian. He's like helping yeah, no, Octavian with a blessing because <laughs> Octavian promised that through this, a- Apollo would, I don't know, become king of the gods or something. It's a little unclear. Yeah, be more powerful than Zeus. Artemis is ragging on him a little bit for this. I was a little bit taken out by this writing. I was like, everyone should be like fully, the fury is not is not at the appropriate level. Artemis should be trying to murder this man as they were trapped yeah. on this island together because it's so dumb. Why would anyone believe this? Octavian is like a squirt loser. What what was he going to do? I, and he's about to get all of their offspring destroyed and murdered by siding with all these mysterious auxiliary troops and everything. Octavian is is bad, bad. It's silly. It's very silly. But we do get one other brief piece of plot because 
half of this book apparently is just um foreshadowing for um the trials of apollo but um mm-hmm. we, we we have to be reminded <laughs> because you're trapped on this island and because apollo has all of these other issues you know like the personality split zeus being mad at them he lost the oracle at delphi like python the famous mythic monster that was there before apollo was in charge of the oracle uh came back and stole it back essentially um Mm -hmm. yeah there's a little uh, mythological tangent here that they go into a little bit in the book but also it's just really fascinating they talk about a lot in dallaire's book of greek myths like the idea of the oracle is that even though prophecy is one of apollo's powers like the reason why it's his power is because of the oracle not like the other way around like he, he was the god of lots of other stuff and then he came to the oracle which got its magic from basically this crack in the ground that would spew gases so even before apollo was there there would be oracles there there would be these priestesses who would sit on these you know three-legged stools and you know make sounds basically like have speak in tongues (laughs) as a reaction to the fact that these noxious gases are coming out of the ground there and people would interpret those into prophecies and all apollo did was basically (laughs) speaking sounds while noxious fumes come up from the ground trying to saturday night for me, yeah. That's what we're doing right now. <laughs> you do live in New York City, don't you? The noxious fumes are coming up. Anyway, <laughs> Apollo takes over this, and that is why he is associated with prophecy. There was an article I read at some point about the, like, something-something gender representations of this whole system, where virginal maidens are said to, like, be the people with the power to speak the prophecies, but also what that meant was that they were, you know, basically forced to... I don't, like maybe hallucinate or like something. It looks like there was some sort of like psychoactive thing that was happening to them. And then like mm. these male priests would come over and interpret the prophecies such that if you were willing to discuss these priesthoods as like political institutions, like the people with all of the meaningful power to shape what's going to mm. happen to the decision makers are still the priests Men. who are like exploiting these like young women. Anyway, that was a tangent. That that did come up a little bit with May Castellan, right? Because part of the reason why yes. it quote unquote didn't work on her is because she wasn't like a young maiden anymore. Because she had a kid. That was like the big thing that they pointed to because you have to be virginal, virginal. or whatever. Yep. I did want to say I was a little disappointed in the lack of like siblingness yeah. in that conversation. Here's something Rick could have pulled. And if he had, we would have been critiquing it in this exact episode. (laughs) But you know how in sitcoms when siblings have to share a room and they like draw a line down the middle. Yeah. And they like take tape and they, okay, they could have done that with the island of Delos. That would have been so rich. Yeah. Missed opportunity. There are many alternate versions that I think would have worked better for this. That would have, I just feel like we need more vibrancy from this dynamic. Exactly. Like we got such a distinctive and clear and colorful banter from these two when they first showed up in the Titan's Curse. And now, like, it's just kind of faded a little. It's a little dull. It's a little tired, but like, not. They're tired. They're tired. I don't know. It feels tired in a way that is a little less satisfying to me than the tired that I'm getting from other people where it's like, we're, we're all struggling. Like they're, you know, if they leave the island, they will have a personality disorder so bad that they can't do anything. Yeah. It's that, but it's also (laughs) not that. And I think it would have been cool to see like petulant childrenness. It would have been cool to see maybe Artemis literally hunting Apollo around the island because he's fucked up so bad or like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It does feel like they've both been put in timeout. And as the younger gods, they've sort of been treated yeah. like children, which is cute. But yeah, yeah, there's definitely more opportunity here. I feel like Rick was just really focused on the mystery surrounding Leo's upcoming sacrifice. Yes. The truth of that. Highlight of that entire section is when Apollo says something full of himself. And it says, 
Artemis made the gagging gesture. <laughs> like that's what I want. Heaving, dry heaving. <laughs> I think that about brings us to the split in the conversation. So eventually, Leo and Apollo have a sidebar while Frank and Hazel go off with Artemis to get some information. Leo's conversation with Apollo, part of it is Apollo complaining. We get more mythological background. This is going to be very important, obviously, for the trials of Apollo. And they're sort of sort of like sprinkled throughout these chapters. So why don't we just get it out of the way here? Like, they're all like, in various points, referencing like a historic beef that Apollo had with Zeus, which is sort of being echoed in this instance. Like there's a region originally why Apollo like is not trusted by Zeus. And the backstory for that also is going to come up in the next two chapters because it has to deal with, oh my God, I looked up how to pronounce this name. It's Asclepius. Asclepius. Okay, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Fine. Anyway, so the the backstory to all of this, there are like several rifts between the two of them. Like Apollo takes um, a different side than Zeus in the, Trojan War to the extent that Zeus takes a side in the Trojan War sort of like in the game but like not really because Zeus was a neutral arbiter but like the, the big thing that happens is that um, Asclepius who is at that point a like mortal demigod child of Apollo brings someone back to life like he uses the physician's cure for the first and only time and Zeus is so incensed by this that he strikes him down lightning bolt dead and Apollo is really mad and wants to take revenge but also knows that he can't like fuck with Zeus because Zeus is stronger than him so he goes he kills the Cyclopses who made the Thunderbolts gasp which is like terrible. Uh-huh. Like that that's a genuinely heinous thing to do. We don't need to everyone's doing heinous things. Everyone's taking out their revenge fantasies on people who are less powerful than them. I think it's funny that this pisses Zeus off and not Hades also. <laughs> do you think Hades would be the one who's mad about someone being brought back to life? Yeah. He can't be bothered. He's busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Zeus's response to this, which is of course very important to the uh, next five books that we're going to read, is that um, Apollo is sentenced to living as a mortal. He has to basically become the slave to like a mortal king and serve him for a while. Anyway, that's the backstory to what Apollo is complaining about here. He's talking about how he's been on rocky terms with Zeus. This is as bad as that other time. That's the other time. That's what they're talking about. Yeah, and there's even more myth incorporation because in order for Leo to get Apollo to agree to help him make the physician's cure with all the ingredients they got, Leo invents a new instrument and gives it to Apollo, which is a recreation of... This is It's when Hermes becomes a god, right? It's not when he's born, is it? One and the same. Hermes is like a Titan mother, I think. Um, or like like a one of those like Titan descendants who's like maybe a Titan, maybe a nature spirit type of ambiguous deal. But like he's like born immortal. But on the day of his birth, he like wanders out of the cave looking for some shit to do. And the shit that he as like a day year old infant finds to do because he's an immortal deity is like steal all of Apollo's shit, <laughs> which he does. He steals the cows. He steals some other things. Um, but as he's like shepherding the cows, he like kills a turtle and like string some cow guts across it nice and that's the first liar ever and so he's like playing it to like calm down the cows and apollo finds out he's really mad but then he's like actually wait fuck these cows like (laughs) the instrument and then hermes (laughs) becomes a god exchange and this is like the legendary hermes origin story about how he's like tricking everybody he's a thief but also he's like smart and wily and a negotiator etc etc great thank you for that carter (laughs) so he calls the instrument he creates the valdezinator right the Valdezinator! Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Quality reference. And it plays like Calypso's song that she sings. Uh, it's a very Leo yeah. instrument as well. Like he he just is pulling things out of his tool belt and stringing them together as they're having a totally separate conversation. And the result is this 
like box with a bunch of uh, what does it say like petals or something it sounds like it's metal steampunk. pieces striking together yeah to make like something that is sort of like a xylophone but not and it's shaped differently and you play it with your thoughts you don't it's like <laughs> that's how it works because Leo doesn't know how to play instruments. Yes. And they had to have some way for it to play a song. Right. You're so right about that. And Asclepius is Apollo's son who's going to make the physician's cure for them. So Apollo gives them directions to get to Asclepius's like temple where he is apparently imprisoned and gives them also the final ingredient for the cure, which is a flower that is apparently the quote unquote curse of Delos, which is endlessly confusing but apollo explains why because of the whole backstory about his mom great yes oh my god erica we had a full like minute and a half long discussion about how to pronounce asclepius and that entire time i was like barely paying attention because i was like this is like not relevant (laughs) like it's somebody who's mentioned in this one story and then we never see him again (laughs) oh (laughs) my mispronouncing. Asclepius's name so bad in my head <laughs> that I didn't even realize we were talking about the same person. He 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 does become more important. Indeed, we were about to go see him. Um, it, it's time. he's like the most important. This is disrespectful to Maddie, a public health hero. He is literally an RN. It says it Front behind his name. It does say okay. it. Let's get it's there. Let's go there. Let's Ooh, go. There's one more plot detail that we have oh. to mention because it's oh, yeah. infuriating to me. <laughs> Well, sorry, I, th- I thought we were going to like table this discussion until later, but it is, I'm incensed a little bit. So we're going to start talking about it now. Leo, in his conversation with Apollo, doesn't just get this physician's cure stuff. He also asks Apollo for advice about his secret plan to defeat Gaia. Mm. We've been getting little hints of this earlier. Like Jason also has been formulating this in his head. And the general vibe that we're getting, it's based on the conversation with Nike. It's based on the- Jason's conversation with Kim, is that somehow we are going to have to separate Gaia from the Earth, her source mm-hmm. of primordial power, right? So mm-hmm. we're envisioning somehow that Jason probably, you know, son of Jupiter thing, is going to get Gaia far off the ground and we're going to hit her with some sort of high impact attack. She's going to disperse. Leo has a follow-up conversation with Apollo about this, where Apollo basically is confirming like, yes, do what they did to Uranus. But also Apollo is giving us some follow-up, which is Basically, if you do this, there will be something that will cause everyone nearby to die. We're assuming it's like an explosion. Clearly Leo's involved, you know, (laughs) some sort of explosion, something fiery that will like be high impact to Gaia, but will also probably kill him, which we are sort of tense about. But also like in case you haven't been paying attention, every single section with the seven has been about trying to find a way to cheat death. So presumably these things are connected. Right. And also something that appears important because we keep talking about it are these onagers that we now know that the Romans have. Artemis lets Frank and Hazel know because she knows, quote unquote, about what is it like weapon, long range weapons or something. She's very familiar with these. So she happens to know even in her altered state that the Romans via Octavian have acquired all these onagers as well as these monster auxiliary troops that are going to be contentious. And Basically, right then, as they're leaving the island, Leo lets his secret plan to Frank and Hazel. They all start crying. There's a group hug, which I guess is supposed to be cathartic to the question mark love triangle that used to exist. We need to stop calling this a love triangle. This is not <laughs> a real love triangle. A real love triangle, it is it is bi-directional along each of the lines. You know what I'm saying? This is a, this is a love mm. angle. We've been getting it wrong. 
It's a love angle, yeah. Okay, so they group hug and they all cry all over each other. End of love angle. Now it's a triangle <laughs> of friendship. Hey, have you guys have you guys heard of this show? It's really good. It has a song about that. It's called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. <laughs> it's also a triangle pun. Yes. Oh, you're teaching me man math. Yep. No, we listen to it. This is on all of our playlists. Like, we listen to it for fun in the car. Yeah. Okay. Do we need to talk more about this plan rollout? I've said what I wanted to say about it, which is that it's too slow. I think it's interesting. <laughs> I just think as someone who uh, cheats death on a daily basis. Slut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really interesting that, I don't know, actually, I really didn't have anything. I just wanted to put out that I, like, cheat death. (laughs) (laughs) Maddie is a nurse. Wait, Maddie, are you a nurse? I was like, I don't know, because I was, like, thinking earlier, I was like, what is the physician's cure? And it's actually just levofed, um, which is what keeps people alive. (laughs) So any nurses out there, levofed so you're not dead. That's shout out Sammy, our other best friend, it. who is not listening to this. I'll see her yeah. tomorrow. Tell her that we thought of her. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just have one more comment to make about this, which is why are Hazel and Frank <laughs> crying when we know that we're going to cheat death? I still am genuinely confused about this. This goes to the whole fundamental issue of you need to have some version of death that is actually permanent. Right. If we're going to cheat it, we're going to cheat it. If we're going to cheat it, we're going to cheat it. Like everyone's on the same page that this is the goal is to cheat it. Yeah. So I don't understand why we're crying shouldn't we They're all nervous. just be like okay we better they have anxiety seriously cheat it like do a good job of cheating death because they're 14 okay yeah we go to meet asclepius at the place where he is and percy and hazel <laughs> are feeling um Not a place where he is. There's a place name in our notes that Erica just flew okay. by. I love it. We don't have anyway. to say it. We're not going to say it now. Percy and Hazel <laughs> are both seasick. They're throwing up. That's super relatable. I love that Percy can get motion sickness even though he's... Wait, it's not motion sickness. He's recovering from poison. Oh, oh, guys. I skimmed these chapters. Carter, <laughs> you just cover it. You just do it. There's like just a little interlude while they're on the boat ride over to where um, Asclepius is, during which we find out that Percy is still recovering from poison. Shout out to our brief visit with Kim earlier. Leo refers to Percy's Aquaman, which he does not take well. Quote, okay, do not call me Aquaman. That's even worse than Waterboy. For context... For those of you who are too young, who have never known this world, this book specifically came out in like 2015, right? Which of course famously predates the Jason Momoa Aquaman of 2018, I want to say. Does that seem right? You know, that's what I always think of when I think of 2015. (laughs) Somebody mentions that something happened in 2015 and I'm like, that's (laughs) pre-Momoa. Every time. It's like a fixture. Yeah, I think his like Game of Thrones thing already happened at that point right he was like mid famous oh, yeah. i think that he may have appeared in like another dc film right before oh. that oh batman versus superman perhaps or or the justice league <laughs> justice league justice league was 2017 no batman versus superman was 2016 and he was also in that i only watch jason momoa led things i don't watch <laughs> things in which they don't give him the respect of the leading paycheck so Game of Thrones, no. See on Apple TV Plus, 
Hell yeah. One of my favorite, <laughs> like, it truly is such a lingering memory in my head, is when Erica on the steps of the fucking, is it St. Michael's Cathedral? Like that oh, giant God. church <laughs> on, um, uh, like, 112th Street in the Upper West Side again. <laughs> was explaining to me and our other friend for, like, 30 plus minutes. <laughs> Like this Jason Momoa Apple TV show and like miming his motions where he is like rattling his sword across the ground because he cannot see what is a master swordsman and is gutting people up on this show. He's like a samurai. He's like a samurai and he uses like a giant scepter. Also like during this whole conversation, we did not have any clips. Like, me and the other person there, we were just, we had never heard of the show before. We were just watching Erica rattle her imaginary sword on the ground. And like, and now you don't need to watch it. I'm sorry, that was such a tangent. No one needs to hear about this. I don't think that this gives anyone any new information about me that they didn't already have. I love Jason Momoa, and I love everything he does. I feel so blessed to have been present for the last three minutes of my life. (laughs) It's like the same character he plays in Dune. Oh my god, I forgot about that. He takes place in a post-apocalyptic world where everyone is blind, and Jason Momoa adopts the only seeing children and raises them as his own, and tries to keep them safe from being witch-hunted. Anyway. That sounds cool. Anyway. (laughs) It's good. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> With that, um, anyway, we've arrived. Asclepius. At Asclepius. I do. We, well, hold on. We're since we're cutting this part already. I do need to go off on a mini tangent. I really hope this does not get cut. What the fuck is up with the toilet to person ratio on this ship? <laughs> pretty big ship, right? Do we think there's um, two toilets? One of based them on this? is lactose intolerant. <laughs> That's at least one bonus toilet that is necessary. <laughs> Leo calls himself a fucking mechanical genius. Leo didn't know about and he that. He can't count. He can't make Leo a ratio. Leo didn't know that there was going to be a lactose intolerant person when he built the ship. In his defense, but mm. also mm. he should have planned mm-hmm. ahead. It's true. Hear me out. It's a ship. You got to pee. You know what to do. <laughs> Especially if you got to vomit, and we're taking the ship through the ocean. Like, please, please. Not a big deal. <laughs> anyway, Poseidon I guess they want privacy. Away for you. <laughs> we we've arrived at Asclepius's home his prison if you will leo rigs some sort of giant metal like grabby arm thing to unlock the super cool stone door i didn't <laughs> understand that part it's so cute he makes a little grabby arm it's supposed to be a callback to i think the mark of athena when they're underneath rome dealing with the killer robots possessed by the evil edelon spirits at that mm-hmm. point like one of the things that they find in archimedes's plans is the schematic for a gigantic grabby arm that's supposed to like fuck up navies mm. or something and so he's like i made it yeah good for you it's also a bit of a callback to the lost oh. hero when when mog Asket has piper and jason yes and Neo takes the crane and <laughs> yes grabby arms her to death yeah. exactly yeah wow did i even read these books i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i consume this media i whatever <laughs> This whole section is basically just a callback to the lost hero, um, for better or Guys, for worse. Piper and Neo and Jason going to Asclepius's place, and the second this was the mini trio decided on, I was like, no. 
No, the <laughs> chapter horrendous revival of the lost hero. The energy's back. The pace is slow. I'm confused. I can't tell if they're actually friends. There's a lot of tension. <laughs> they don't, we don't really like each other. Someone is lying to the other two again. That's just their magic, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, they, and they didn't even know that Jason was nearsighted. They're, they haven't yeah. been noticing that he can't fucking see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Much like Jason Momoa. Much like Jason Momoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh my anyway. god. Moving right along. Um. In comedy, that's called a callback. Um, we gotta call back to it later. We gotta do some like Ali Wong superstructures <laughs> where in the last minutes of our podcast, we also mentioned Jason Momoa. I'll find a way. Keep going. We'll find a way. <laughs> anyway, Leo's lying to the other two. He's like not allowing himself to laugh. Broke people should never laugh. That's a Nicki Minaj quote because he's deceiving them about the fact that he's about to die. Piper's explaining some things to them. I just had to shout this out. This is like totally not plot relevant or anything. It's just a reminder that these people are maybe not actually friends. Piper's like explaining things to them. And Leo's response is, how do you know that? Annabeth told you? Whoa. Yikes. Whoa. Yikes. And Piper's response is, I know stuff. Yes, you do. Girl, yes, you do. The tension. For those of you who don't remember in The Lost Hero when Annabeth is like in emotional distress and literally not on the quest with them because she's too busy trying to find her boyfriend and also running the camp by herself, Piper is providing all of their knowledge because Rick Riordan, you know, knows a thing about trios with two boys and one girl and gender roles and something something Harry Potter print. Piper gave all of their knowledge. There was an excuse. It's because her dad was like a movie star who worked on a like Greek something something movie. Yeah. But the point is, Piper's always been knowledgeable. We've all known this. We remember. Where's this coming from? That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) They're not actually friends. They're Uh, not actually friends. (laughs) The gag of this whole thing is that Asclepius has like a regular doctor's office and he's like a normal doctor. And regular doctors are funny. It's the absurd humor of medicine, specifically in America. Uh, Painful. Yeah, there's, they're sitting in like a waiting room. There's magazines in the waiting room. Um... Is this still a thing? Can 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 someone who's like a, a true young person let us know? Do you know what it means to see like a pile of magazines in a medical office waiting room? They do still do that. I did go to the dentist over winter break at home and there were magazines there. Okay, okay. I, I believe it's because old people also go to the doctor. That's the thing I'm wondering about though. Like if you were like a, a like a child and you only go to like a pediatrician. Like, have you ever seen mm. the pile of magazines in the in the office? Because, like, who would need highlights? That? The highlights. You know, magazines? at the pediatrician's office, those children are all playing on the iPads. Yeah. How will they ever know how to find the difference between these two illustrations? <laughs> how will they ever know? Anyway, this is where we get our shout out to the one, the only, the queen. I don't know. This is okay. This is where I'm genuinely confused. If people understand this reference, the magazine that they're talking about is a colon the magazine of Asclepius. 10 simple steps to get the most out of your leeching. Do the, We're going to pause here. Do, do the children know what this reference is? <laughs> because I feel like the answer is probably no. Absolutely. I was, I was going to say, I did not get this reference. I didn't um, get it. I'm really sorry. I'll be clearly honest. Clearly, we all grew up in different households. Brief history lesson. Oprah Winfrey, <laughs> among the many things that made her a mogul, she ran one of the most popular American magazines for like 20 years, from the 1990s into the late 2000s. It was monthly. She was on the cover of every single issue. Yeah. The magazine was called, oh, 
the Oprah Winfrey magazine. Where am I going with this? The point is just that this is a delightful reference that I deeply treasured because my mother, you best believe, subscribed to, oh, the Oprah Winfrey magazine. And I know those covers <laughs> and those magazines well. At one point, wasn't somebody was like, Oprah, are you ever going to put somebody else on the cover of your magazine? Yes. And she and was she like, said, no. it's my magazine. Why would I do that? <laughs> Is anybody on there with There's her? There's one issue where it's two Oprahs on the cover. It's like her from like <gasps> a few months ago and then her from now. Wow. Being like, this has been my journey over the past few months. Let me tell you about my spiritual awakening. And she was a queen for that. Two for one. <laughs> anyway, I just have to shout her out whenever she shows up. Mm-hmm. But we're, mm-hmm. we're moving right along. <laughs> Somebody want to talk about this? <laughs> Maddie. It's your time to shine. Jason can't read a sign. (laughs) Let me tell you about my journey um, with having the same experience. So I started a new job in Seattle recently. And for some reason in travel nursing, you have to have a physical. And so I go and I'm like, oh, I got to do this physical. So I have to go through basically what elementary school children go through every year where they do like oh, touch your toes and like stick your tongue out, read the sign. And the lady takes me to read the sign and I crumble just like Jason. I was like, oh no, I need to go to the eye doctor. And she passed me anyway, but it was really sad. But that's my experience. I have never related to Jason Grace until this moment. So Hmm. I feel for him. Representation matters. I'm not going to the eye doctor. Stop (laughs) getting glasses. No offense. (laughs) It's nerdship, but like, you gotta see. Oh my God. There's just more delight of the tyranny of healthcare in America. They're trying to get to see Asclepius, but they're having issues with their insurance cards, which is, you know, if you're a young adult and you need to go to the doctor, you're like, oh, no, I don't have my insurance card. And then your insurance doesn't work. And they're like, well, who's the lead man on the plan? And then you don't remember your dad's birthday and then you can't see the doctor. And it's a whole problem. Erica, you don't remember your father's birthday? I do now. <laughs> shout out to that shout out to that love that for him wow. <laughs> he doesn't listen to this it's fun <laughs> my father does listen to some of these episodes actually which means maybe i should be swearing less maybe i should be telling less personal information about certain aspects of my life but if he is listening shout out i do know what your birthday is um. <laughs> wow guys i have something to say about this part and it's been like 20 minutes sorry we're, oh we'll get my back to say it I was just going to say, who here was also a fan of Doctor Who in the 2010s? Anyone? Chirp. Anyone? <laughs> this is embarrassing um, for you, Molly. Then okay. never fucking mind. Okay. Flop <laughs> era, I'm sorry. You um. interrupted the conversation for this. This is embarrassing. Um, let's move on. <laughs> no, you, you have to say, say it. I know for a fact our listeners have watched doctor who and robert makes doctor who references all the time when they come on the show well it's not gonna be interesting if you guys don't know what i'm talking about so i'm talking to you the listener i'm i'm looking into the camera (laughs) and i'm speaking directly to you seaweed brain podcast listener who also watches doctor who this is just like that one episode you know you know the episode you know that one episode with the thing that happens that's similar to this? It's like, it wasn't very fully fleshed out. Wait, wait, wait. I had to unfortunately um, know a lot of Whovians as a, as a child. Is this a reference to the Weeping Angels? 
Okay, first thing that made a ding in my head was, yes, the Weeping Angels <laughs> is like a statue coming to life, yes. kind of. But the other thing is, there is an episode of Doctor Who where Amy and Rory and the 11th Doctor have a little run-in with a quarantine facility where there are these robots that give you like medical treatments, but the medical treatments are intended for people of the species on the planet that they're at. Mm. And so when they're trying to like help you, they're like actually killing you with kindness (laughs) because those medical treatments are fatal to humans and whatever the doctor is. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's kind of similar. What do you think? Seaweed brain listener. (laughs) <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Send an email to seaweedbrain podcast at gmail.com. At yeah. Seaweedbrainpodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, if you would like to talk about um, HMOs or deductibles, um, I don't know if I've said this on the air, but I am a health services researcher full time. So we can also have that conversation. This is kind of my bag. Um, Wait, Carter, I'm going to hit you up. I need to discuss that as well. <laughs> um, so the obstacle to them right now is a statue of Hygieia, who is one of the daughters of Asclepius. She's the goddess of hygiene. The statue is attacking them. She also has a giant gold snake that's attacking them. They are robots that self-heal. That's a challenge. Leo hacks them. Honestly, these robot things are really awesome, and I want them outside of every ICU in every hospital um, to keep people out because people are nasty, okay? They do not wash their hands. They are, like, letting their children crawl on the floors of a hospital. Hygieia has failed us. She has not spread hygiene to every person in the world. Yeah, the myth of Hygieia is just that she's a normal mortal daughter of Asclepius who just like washed people in the hospitals and that would like cure half of them because they were so gross. Yeah. Before Hygiene is so important. Um. We finally get to Asclepius and this is maybe the best part of this chapter. There's a whole bunch of degree initials after his name, like degree titles. Maddie, do you want to read them out loud? Uh, Sure, I can do that. (laughs) So we've got... Asclepius, MD, DMD, DME, DC, DVS, FAAN, OMG, EMT, TTYL, FRCP, ME, IOU, OD, OT, Farm MD, BAMF, RN, PhD, <laughs> INC, SMH. <laughs> oh my god this is the moment the culmination of everything we've been waiting for with jason's arc over the last several books what happens say it with me he gets, gets glasses. glasses all right take it away maddie the best character development every <laughs> single time i see a blonde man with glasses i think huh just like jason grace representation <laughs> matters representation matters i feel like personally i would not have believed his whole journey of being like i'm not gonna be the praetor anymore i'm stepping back i'm abdicating i know how to yield i know how to respect other people it was all pending to me until the moment he gets the glasses mm. and i'm like okay that's a commitment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually going to happen right. now. I literally can't tell if you're being sarcastic, Carter. <laughs> I honestly cannot tell for myself either because when I thought, <laughs> when I like remember this book series and the arc, before I had reread it these recent times, like I was like, I remember Jason takes a step back and is like less in your face about how like in charge of everything he has to be. 
And honestly, the one event that stood out to me, it was not the like encounter with the South Wind. It was not the encounter with Cam at the bottom of the ocean. It was getting glasses. Yeah, I mean, I didn't remember anything besides the glasses from my initial read through <laughs> of the Year's Olympus. <laughs> but it is cute. It's the final linchpin on his arc. Yes. I, I kind of retconned it in my head where he had glasses the whole time. <laughs> in my head, when I picture all of the events of the previous books, he has glasses. Fair enough. I don't. He's squinting in all of the other events. <laughs> He's squinting and no one notices that he can't see. I guess. Make friends. Like, <laughs> is he actually brooding or is he just trying to read something at a distance? All right. Anyway. We now have what is almost certainly a Stephen Sondheim reference here. I really don't know that it is, Carter, but... what? Literally, what else could it be? It is certainly... Like, can come on rewrite now. the text and say that it is? Please. This is clearly a reference to the cooking show on Webkinz. <gasps> Whoa. Where you Whoa. add all the right, ingredients, right. and then they mix, and then out comes a strawberry shortcake. No, but it's not just the mixing. So what happens here is the snake of Asclepius. Who, by the way, its name is Spike and it has beef with George and Martha. And we just want to reference yeah. that because they're my favorite side characters. Okay, continue. It's very important. No, we need to give the snake its its due. Mm-hmm. Spike, you're a real one. You do shit. So, but Spike just eats all the ingredients and then spits out a vial of the physician's cure. This is, of course, and can only be a reference to... Da, da, da. The cow is white as milk, the cape is red as blood, the hair is yellow as corn, the, the slipper is pure, pure as gold. gold. Yes, very good. It's a reference to Into the Woods, Stephen Sondheim's 1988 musical. May he rest in peace. May he rest in peace, one of the greats. Oh, with James Corden. Oh my god! Oh my god! Get off of the podcast. <laughs> Log out of the internet. <laughs> I don't wanna I don't wanna hear it. I don't wanna hear from you. I got the exact reaction I was hoping for. (laughs) Careful the things you say. Children will listen. And they can't be hearing all that. That's just nasty. (laughs) I do not advocate for James Corden, okay? That's there's a reason I haven't been to LA. I'm scared of him, okay? It's fine. Can you even imagine if you're just like walking down the street and he like pops out in a giant mouse costume? Yeah, like I can't even imagine. It's so scary. I think sometimes about Adina Menzel on that press tour where she had to, among other things, stop traffic with a thrusting James Corden in a mouse costume and Camila Cabello and just, girl, it was bad for her. (laughs) That being said, that being said, everybody, if you're in the area, buy tickets for New York City Center Encore's production of Into the Woods in May, starring Sarah Bareilles and notably Erica's friend Cole. Hey, shout out to Erica's friend Cole. Okay. Hey, Cole Thompson. Go Woo. see it. <laughs> Guys, we have to finish this. We have a whole other chat. Okay, let's go. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, so it turns out we have successfully gotten Asclepius on our side. He's doing all these things. Maybe Heike, because Piper is really intensely charm-taking the whole time. But he does make the physician's cure for them. Wait, can I have a little aside? Like, this is relevant to the situation in the in the book. I just want to point out that Asclepius is not doing any of the work. Um, Spike is doing all of the work, which is very true to how hospitals work. Mm-hmm. Spike is an RN. 
and Asclepius is useless, essentially. Um, shout out, so shout Spike out. is doing all of the healing and all of the work. He is a beautiful RN, and we love him. Okay. Go Spike! Woohoo! Retweet, retweet that. Yes. Okay. So w- once we have the cure, it's established, like, we're all pretty sure everyone knows that somebody's going to die. Leo basically says in his, like, internal head monologue, yeah, it's going to be me. I'm planning to die. This is the first time we've technically said this out loud in the writing, which to me is a failure of pacing. I really was displeased by this rollout because we knew this whole time. And like, not in a fun way. Leo's saying this in his head, but as the seven, they're having a conversation about it. And what they decide is that somebody is probably going to die. So it's just good for them to have this on hand. And there will be a battlefield medic who will see somebody die and then go administer the cure as soon as possible. They decide it's going to be Piper. Leo passes the cure to Piper, but this is where we know that Hazel is in on the plan already, and Leo probably told her about it on Delos because Hazel uses the mist to make it look like Leo gives the actual cure to Piper, when in reality he does not. But he does kind of say something nice and something mean to her at the same time. He calls her beauty queen again, and he says, you have the heart, you'll know what to do, Um, which would seem sweet if we thought that he wasn't. No, the sweet part is from Annabeth. It's not from Leo. Leo's just rude. That's so funny. <laughs> Annabeth says you've got the heart. When the time comes, you'll know what to do. Of course, Leo's lying. You know, you can say what you want about Leo, but like, what if Piper actually sees somebody else die and tries to administer the cure? This is evil. I still do not understand why he cannot just be forthright with these people instead of gaslighting his allegedly oldest friend into um, thinking that they have the power to cure someone when they do not. That seems like a very dangerous lie to tell. Piper is the one whose charm spoke Festus to life, though, so maybe she can bring someone back from the dead. (laughs) She maybe also brought Jason back to life, maybe kind of at the end of The Lost Hero. Maybe. Ambiguous. But the chapter ends with Leo sulking off by himself into the bowels of the ship, and doing some semi-mysterious, semi-revealed-to-us things. Like, he sets his navigational tool up with, like, a timer, where he's like, we are going to OGG in less than 24 hours. Gasp. Timing. Sounds like that's going to coincide with the end of the war with Gaia slash the Giants. And he also, okay, this part still, to this day, confuses me. He just throws the cure into the bowels of the ship. Isn't a vial, right? Like what? He puts the vial into the ship. He's throwing the vial into the ship, but, like... Because Festus is the ship. I guess. Festus is going to use it on yeah, him. Yeah, Festus, it like pops back up out of Festus and like injects into him, basically. It goes into his bowels, but it goes to him. It goes into his bowels. I guess Festus will vomit it up from his machine bowels. How How is this administered? Like, what is the route of this medication? Are you supposed to Asking like put the it? right questions. It seems like it's in IV. their mouth. It does say. Or is this it IV? Yeah. It says it. Oh, or is it like I am or sub Q? Like I need, I need more information about how this medication is absorbed into the body. This is sketchy. So, so actually I did a little bit of research into this and the first step, you know, so like at the beginning, it's not inside the body and then <laughs> afterwards it is inside of the body okay. um, and that's how it's administered. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, not helpful. Thank you. Both bullying each other. (laughs) We endorse it. We endorse it. Well, that was a lot. Any final thoughts on this POV? I'm ready for it to be over. Great. My only thought is there's way too much ukulele slander in this POV. The entire first two chapters are Leo just talking about how much he hates an ukulele and how it is pathetic. Apollo smashes one on the ground and kicks it. We will not tolerate that. 
I think there is an implicit criticism that goes with this that ukuleles are for sad white girls. And I, I don't know where that came from. I don't know why someone would think that. College quads, probably. Let's re-examine some priors there. Let's let's do some Googling about this instrument yeah. and its history. All right. Thank you so much, Maddie and Molly, for being here from Fatal Flaw. Woo! We appreciate your time and energy. We'll link everything that you need to find these two wonderful co-hosts and their podcasts in our show notes. And next week, we will be back with Fatal Flaw to talk about Reyna's epic sacrifice POV. See you guys then.